This is the Workin' With series, presented by your host, Hayley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Hayley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. I'm here today with Maggie Alfonsi, who is arguably the face of international women's rugby. It is a pleasure to have you here in our offices. You are the first woman in sport that we've got on the series, so welcome. It's an absolute honour to be here. Thank you very much. Now, I would like to know firstly, how did you get into rugby? So I got into it in a really weird way. I basically was quite an active person. I lived in North London. Football was the sport, so everyone loved a bit of football. Yeah, at school, I used to get in trouble quite a lot, and by chance, I... Uh, was basically wandering the halls at school, not really in my lesson. And my P teacher, who was a female, had a black eye and bruises. So I was just really intrigued by this. And I and I asked her, you know, Miss, what do you do? Are you into sport? What's the kind of thing that you're you're uh, involved in outside of school? And she said she plays rugby union. So I was very intrigued by that. So she said, go to your local rugby club and just try the sport out. So I went to a local rugby club, I picked up the rugby ball and I, and I played it. And I absolutely loved, you know, tackling people. I loved running past people. I just loved it. I fell in love with the sport because it, it suited my, my attributes. You know, I was big and I was strong. And again, I was quite aggressive. So I, that's how I found it. And, and I still look back to this day, you know, coming from North London where really rugby wasn't popular then. It's popular now, it wasn't then. So it's quite unusual for someone from a council state background who, you know, very much isn't from that stereotype of people who get into the sport, you know, finds the sport and falls in love with it at the age of 13, 14 years old. So, yeah, it was, I, I owe it all to that PE teacher, you know, who was a female who played for Wells at the time. So I was just really intrigued by what she was doing. Do you want to give her a shout out? Oh, yeah, Lisa Burgess. She's absolutely amazing. She, I, I still keep in contact with her because she's effectively like a mentor to me. It's amazing when you have one person in your life who can change it for the most simplest way, you know. She just said, just try the sport out, and that's sort of been the rest of my life for the last 30-odd years, you know, so I owe a lot to her. Wow, fantastic. So as one of England's most successful rugby players, how has the sport, particularly women's rugby, mm -hmm. changed over the years? What does the future look like for women in professional sport? So I guess the sport has changed a lot since I've got into it. So I got into it, you know, got a good 25, 25 years, let's say that, it's a long time ago. Um, I got into it, and when I got into it, there wasn't many women or girls playing the sport. So there were women playing it, but it wasn't across the board. So it was, it was probably in certain areas around London, certain areas in the southwest. And then as a, as a young girl trying to go to your local rugby club, there wasn't a lot of you know, women and girls sections. So that, that's, that makes things quite hard. So if you go to a club and there's not a women's team there or a girls team there, the first thing you do is you find another club. And, and if you keep searching for a club, there's not many of them out there. So I was very fortunate. My club was Saracens. So they had a women and girls section, but unfortunately women and girls weren't necessarily seen as a priority in the, in the club. So men generally were the main ones who, who ran the club. Um, so in terms of getting changed, for example, you'd have to get changed. Uh, there wouldn't be enough change rooms, so you'd get changed into the, in the toilets or maybe in your car. Um, <laughs> in terms of pitches, so you know training pitches to, to, to play on, there, there wasn't many. And the men got the first choice, so we would have to train on certain nights when the men weren't training, so we could just use the pitch. 
and we'd use the pitch where there's one floodlight so it would be always dark so it was really frustrating back then what's amazing is over the time there's so much that's changed so now women rugby players are quite prevalent there's a lot of them out there now there's many clubs out there uh, it's one of the fastest growing sports for women's sports there's also now, you know, you see more women now doing it as a professional job, so they can do it as a job, where before, when I was playing, we had to work in, in other areas to facilitate our rugby playing career. Also, women are getting sponsored as well. There's just so much has changed, and now people are respecting it. So you can see it on TV more, where you wouldn't do beforehand. And young people are now starting to be able to see women rugby players as role models, which has massively changed. And it's not just women's rugby, it's women's sport. I think we've seen a change across the board. It's very much a momentum. Uh, there's been a real shift to want to watch women's sport, but also support it and sponsor it and, and ensure that these females are being celebrated for how good they are. I mean, even in Australia, we now have a women's AFL league. I mean, it's like every league. There's now a female league, which is really exciting. Well, in Australia, I guess also potentially leading the way with our rugby as well. There's been a lot of focus around females getting professional contracts in 15s rugby and 7s rugby. And it just shows you that the tides are changing, not just in our in England, but across the world. That there needs to be a focus on supporting women because women are part of the population and will bring another level of revenue. So if you can get females playing it, and you get more women coming to watch the sport, and then it just has a bigger impact. So the future looks bright. It does look bright. It's just, but we do need a lot of people to bang the drum and make a lot of noises. Otherwise, there won't be um, momentum. And I think that's what it is. We've got some great shifts now, but we need to keep pushing at it. Otherwise, we, we could revert backwards. What's great is that there's a lot of strong women out there, a lot of strong men out there as well who are supporting the change, who are pushing it. And if we keep doing that, then we'll we'll continue to get success, and and women's sport will be in the limelight more often. I agree. I mean, speaking of banging the drum, I mean, mm. can you share an experience where you've had to bang the drum or maybe it has been difficult as mm. you've been, you know, building out your own professional yeah. journey? There's been many incidents. I guess when I was young, you know, being um, being a young lady in a rugby club where it's predominantly male or going to rugby clubs where there's not many women there, constantly having to say to people that women can play the sport, we are good, you know, you, you unfortunately will get the, the odd people who sort of are negative about women's rugby, don't think women should play the sport, think they, they, they must look a certain way. And those things, you just constantly have to keep banging the drum about, we are great athletes. Or actually just say to people, just come and watch us play instead of criticising us. And actually, as I've got older, that, that the drumming has sort of reduced or I'm banging it in a different way. So now it's kind of like, actually great, I've got more followers coming along now. And I, you know, I take on different positions in terms of the world of rugby. And um, now I'm not a player, but actually, I am a broadcaster. You know, talking about the sport on TV and trying to convince those who are watching to keep supporting the game and coming to watch the live sport as well. I also am part of the um, Rugby Football Union Council, and there it's about trying to change the governance of our of our sport and getting more women and girls into the sport at. Um, grassroots community level so there's lots of I've got a different position now and actually like you said I'm, I'm still banging the drum but banging it in a different way and, and getting more followers on board it's hard when you're an athlete and you're playing all you can do is play and you, you've got a voice but it's, it's strong it's not as strong when you leave the sport you become stronger with your voice because you're not affected by maybe some of the things that you say so you can talk a bit more freely and actually create greater change and, and actually make a bigger noise so as you look back on your playing career, what game do you really look back and think that was a 
maybe a fundamental turning point in my career or the thing I remember yeah. in, the, in the best possible light? I think the um, – so the best game that I remember, which sort of stands out as my performance but also my team performance, was in 2010 we played in the World Cup final against New Zealand at Twickenham Stoop. Uh, and it was amazing, you know, we had 14,000 people come to watch the game. I think it's the first time I've ever had that many people come to watch a women's rugby match, um, which just blew us all away. But I think also what was great about it was the fact that we had people watch it and go, wow, women can play the sport. So we had lots of new converts, let's just say, come to follow us, which was great. And also my profile started to grow at that time. People were talking about me when I had never been talked about before you know it was great you know Maggie the machine and all that so it was lovely it was just nice to have people like even though it was a random term as a nickname but it was lovely to have people sort of see me as a role model and and there's other women in my team who were getting you know starts to be noticed which was great so that was great even though we we lost the final was a tough final we lost 13-10 but that final allowed us to I guess come back four years after and win the world cup so that game was quite defining in the world of women's rugby because it showed that people want to watch the game uh, and it was defining in the fact that it helped our England team become stronger so we can go on to win the World Cup in 2014 and it also helped with my profile because people saw me perform and were like wow this woman's fantastic and it led to further opportunities later on as I developed in my career. So, you know, on and off the field, you've yeah. touched on this, you've mentored young people, demonstrating how team sports can really build confidence and empower young men and women. Yeah. You've mentioned your early PE teacher, but what role have mentors played in your life generally? Yeah, I think mentors have been quite significant in my life. And you don't just have one mentor, you have several different types of people who I think come into your life, who come along with you on the journey and then you dip in and out with them to help get some further support to keep going forward. So um, I've had many mentors, I guess my PE teacher was the first one and, and her role was a, a teacher effectively. But then after that I've worked in different jobs who I've had CEOs who have been my mentors in different ways, almost a, a virtual mentor. So. They don't know that they're my mentor, but I've sort of taken them on as somebody I touch base with them quite regularly and help get guidance from. I've also had you know, England coaches who have been my mentors in a different way. Again, they're, 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 they, they take the position as a coach, but they're people who've guided me in my sporting world and they've given me, um, I guess, advice when under pressure. I guess I've had various different mentors and I think you can never have too many mentors and you can have mentors with different situations, that's what I feel, or different sort of environments so I'd have a sporting mentor almost and a business mentor because I'm you know quite focused on business then I'd have a broadcasting mentor someone who would help me with my support around delivering and being able to make sure that I'm very good in front of the camera so it's different mentors in different ways and you and you don't have to have them day in day out but it's someone you know you can confine to and, and also give you advice when, when needed and they have expertise as well. So you mentioned broadcasting. I mean, this is a really impressive shift that you made as the first former female player to commentate on men's international rugby. Oh, yeah. So what advice would you give young women looking to make a major change in, in their careers? Yeah, I'd say um, step out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself. That's one thing I learned more so in my career. So there have been many times where... I probably didn't step out of my comfort zone and I was very comfortable with the things that I was doing and then the opportunity came up to do some broadcasting, quite a scary thing to know that you're going to be working on you know, one of the main biggest channels um, on our TV, free to air, 
on the men's rugby world cup and i was incredibly nervous incredibly scared by it but i think when you get to a point when you go actually if i do this other doors can open up something else can come from this and it could lead to other exciting worlds so just do it rather than probably being feared by the fact that actually if i make a mistake everyone's going to hate me everyone's going to sort of put me down and that, that that was sort of pulling me down a little bit but it's like the elephant in the room you've got to be aware of it and then move on my advice would be in the long in the short story would be to basically step out your comfort zone challenge yourself and don't be afraid to take those those opportunities they're not risks they're opportunities because it could lead to to other doors being opened up for you and, and for me it did I, I did that that world cup and it led to me do more work on tv and, and now i do lots of work which i thoroughly enjoy and it's led to my profile being greater and, and other other avenues being um, created as a result of it and i mean you're well positioned i mean you know rugby you can commentate on it yes yes do you know what's funny it's, it's amazing when someone says to you look would you like to commentate on it or be a pundit on it you do question yourself, you question your ability, and it's really silly. Like, we all have that imposter syndrome, you know, where we go, am I good enough to do this? And then when you do it, you're like, well, I must be, because I've won a World Cup, or I've played the sport for, you know, 25, 30 years. I should know how to do this. And that's the thing, like, you sometimes doubt yourself, and you need to not doubt yourself. And that's in business or a sport. you sort of got to, you've got to fake it till you make it, and step into that role and, and actually just own it, and then let the rest come. Own it, I love it. What advice would you give to young women aiming to pursue a career in professional sport? So the advice I would give to women who want to pursue a career in professional sport is I would say give it a go. Look, I never really got the opportunity to do professional sport until probably a little bit older uh, and it wasn't really professional. It was pretty much almost part-time professional because the finances weren't there. You had to really work and do the sport at the same time. So the ladies who are competing now are, are very fortunate. They, a lot of them are getting the opportunity to do, do it as a job. And I'm really envious of it. And I wish I had that when I was young. So I would say to young people growing up now, go for it. If you have the opportunity, go for it. But at the same time, use the time that you have off to do your education. So I'd never advise anyone to not fulfill their education whilst doing sport. If you can do both, do both. Because... You know, it's always a backup plan. Uh, and for me, I was very fortunate. I, I had my education, you know, then I came into sport. And then now I've come out of sport, I can go back into the world of career, you know, professional career. So I think it's always important that um, you give professional sport a go, but make sure you're still doing your studies, you're still learning, and then you've got a backup plan. So not all your eggs in one basket. That's exactly the case. That's totally true. That's a, that's a shorter way of saying what I just said there. <laughs> so who was it that championed you along the way? I think I had various different people who championed me along the way. Um, look, my England coaches, uh, Gary Street was one. Graham Smith was another. Um, I had, and I also so I had lots of male, I guess, role models who sort of championed me along the way. But I also had some really impressive females. You know, my mother, she, she I had Rebecca. She's amazing. She was always there backing me. Never really enjoyed or liked rugby union. <laughs> So that's, that's probably the awkward thing. But what was great is that she, she supported me. Wow. And as many times when she probably didn't have to. She was probably one of my biggest backers along the way. But also someone, you know, I talk about my P teacher, Lisa Burgess again. She championed me from the start to the finish, I guess, whilst I was at secondary school. Because I was quite a difficult child. But she always had my back in that sense. And another teacher, Joanna Walker, another uh, lady who sort of gave me a lot of support um, at, at secondary school. 
There's been other key championers who have supported me. Uh, you know, a guy called Jason Lennons. He he was a former England rugby player, most capped England men's rugby player, but also became the RFU president. And um, you know, he championed me along the way to get onto the RFU council, which is great because now we're starting to get more women on the council. And he's like, we need to get some female rugby players on there. I've had some good people along the way, and um, and it's important. I think everyone needs someone to champion them because. You know, you can do a lot of the work, but it's good to have someone who's really got a foot in the door who can push you to get further involved and, and also be an advocate for you. So what is your superpower? I mean, you referred to your one of the nicknames yeah. is uh, Maggie the Machine. So yes. obviously physical strength has been uh, there. It's one of them, yeah. yeah. But um, what comes to mind? Yeah. So I'd say if I was to pick out superpower, it would be inspiration. So I like to think that I... I give people inspiration because I've had a bit of a challenging background, challenging upbringing, and I've just got through it. And I think oh, everyone's got a level of inspiration in them and everyone's got a different story. You don't have to be an athlete to have a great story. I think everyone's got a really interesting story. Um, and I'd say through the life that I live now, I tell my story quite a lot. And through telling my story, it means others open up about their story. And I love that. I love hearing other people's stories. So I wouldn't say I'm a great listener. That's not what I'm about. I like to think that it's the ability to be able to get others to open up about their story. And I love hearing about how people got to where they are today and the challenges they came through, but also where they're going now. So I think that's what I'd say. It's about inspiring. I like to inspire people, but through inspiring, it leads to hearing about them and their journey. And so what does the future hold for you? Like, and we catch up in another five to ten years yeah. and what's happened in your life? Yeah, so I'd say in the next five to ten years, I like to think that I'll be CEO of hopefully um, a big sporting governing body, hopefully maybe the RFU. I'd like to be the first female president potentially of the RFU and maybe the, the, the first female CEO. That's why I'm working towards in September looking to start an MBA. It's called the MBA for CEOs in sport. So that's the plan. I've done what I can do on the field. I've moved into the world of broadcasting, which I enjoy. But my future now is that I want to be someone who's you know, helping support and change governance and, and being a, an influential leader in a senior position. And, and I think I have the capability to do it, but not just me. I think there's many other women in particular and people from you know, BME community. I just want to get diversity across the board. And that's my goal now at the top end. Fantastic. So one last question. Yeah. How do you stay so balanced? I mean, is, do you still have the training regime like when you're playing professionally? Yeah. How do you keep yeah. life moving in a great way? I think the way I, I get balanced at the moment is I still exercise because I think it's important to still feel and look the part as of a rugby player. Um, so I do a bit of CrossFit. I quite enjoy that. Nice. I don't play rugby anymore because I've got dodgy knee. But I do a bit of CrossFit. I do a bit of touch rugby. And I also, um, I just like to have a balance generally about doing other stuff outside of work and sport. So I go to musicals, have two dogs, miniature schnauzers, absolutely love them. So that keeps, keeps me really balanced. And I just travel a bit as well, which is not always around work. So I just try and keep myself sort of, I like to experience the world in different ways. Because when you're an athlete, I travel a lot in rugby, but all you see is a hotel and the airport. And now I feel like I travel and I actually understand a bit more about the places I'm going to. And, you know, I just like to now see the world in a different way than what I used to. So that's how I kind of keep myself balanced and try not to stress too much about work. I say that. I say that I do. I try not to. But um, life, unfortunately, always 
has uh, ways of making you feel stressed but I try and get a balance by doing a variety of things now and not just focus purely on sport and, and keep myself engaged in other activities. And favourite travel spot? Oh, do you know, Canada's always been this place I've fallen in love with, so Vancouver. At one point I was, I was quite close to moving out there and that's uh, that's probably the, only because of the mountain and the beautiful blue lakes as well that's sort of captured me but um yeah, I've been to Australia, so Australia is one point I absolutely love. Just so far away. It is. <laughs> it's it so is. far away, but Canada is the, yeah, it's the other place which I absolutely love. Fantastic. Well, Maggie, thank you for coming in today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I look forward to following your professional journey and um, seeing you at the, the top of the RFU. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you. You've been listening to the Work and With podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, 